Hello, strangers, and welcome to the Strange Horizons podcast for May 25th, 2015. I'm your host and fearless leader, Anea Lay. This is an extra fiction podcast this month because we're running an excerpt from Vestiges by Lawrence Zuna. This is the first volume in the Quantica trilogy, a space opera that begins 300 years in the future on an icy extrasolar planet. Published in Switzerland and France in 2012, Vestiges has not yet appeared in English. The website this week also has an interview with Zuner by Alastair Reynolds. And you can find out more about the Quantica books on Zuner's website. In case you're wondering who this author is, Lawrence Zuner is a Swiss writer and illustrator, fascinated by archaeology, physics, and astrophysics. Her favorite activities are writing, drawing, playing music, and dreaming. You can find her on Facebook, on Twitter as at Zuner Lawrence, and at Quantica SF, or via her website at quantica-sf.com. Now, settle in. Let's begin. Vestiges Extract by Lawrence Zuner The drivers returned to their machines, shovels, trucks. Everyone knew what they had to do. Hazel climbed up the ladder that led to the Hercules cab, three meters above the ground. The gigantic snowplow snorted. Thirty-two tons of psychrolite metal polymer, two articulated arms, each five meters long, rows of caterpillar tracks with a traction capacity of 600 horsepower, 512 kilonewtons of tearing power. A mean machine. In the distance, the rescue crew was still busy. Hazel was counting on their professionalism. Taking care of the wreckage was more than enough for him. Nothing but steel and composite materials. No flesh, no bones, no blood. His work started when theirs ended. Cleaning up what was left of the tankers, quickly clearing access to the transponder road. He continued to hope that the route would be changed one day. A simple little detour to the west would prevent a great many problems. But the Gemian companies had neither the time nor the money to enlist engineers and make field surveys, or even to set up new beacons. No doubt he would have to settle for aiding the auxiliary workers for many long years. That's the way things worked here, on a tight budget. The other two Hercules set off. Slowly they rolled up the gentle slope that led to the side of the carnage. The bitter odor of the smoke seeped into the cab, mingling with that of charred human flesh. Hazel felt nausea well up. He regretted having inflicted Kia's latest creation on his stomach. The snowplow approached the edges of the crater, about fifty meters in circumference. It would take until nightfall to clear the area. A rescue worker, wearing orange coveralls, signaled him to remove a burnt-out vehicle, peeled like a carrot. It looked like a satellite that had fallen from orbit. The other two machines were directed to identical piles of smoking debris. Hazel couldn't help shuddering. He'd never seen anything like this. 
The memory of the explosion he'd felt this morning through the thick walls of the base pierced through his bones. The Hercules moved closer to the wreck. It had been thrown into the air, to an altitude Delarier considered inconvenient, before falling back several meters from the edge of the crater. He would have to proceed cautiously. The ice had been transformed into a black, gelatinous-looking mass. Nothing to be too happy about. The arms of the mechanical shovel spread with the unsettling grace of a marionette. Its claws closed around the remains of the tanker, ready to carry it off in no time at all to the transshipment trucks, which, in turn, would carry it to the Chekoville Depot, a dozen or so kilometers to the south, where it would be recycled. Hazel just about swooned. Upon contact with the claws, the tanker disintegrated into a very fine dust, as black as soot. Anthracite sand that was now flowing over the ground with a hiss. He interrupted his operation. It was just plain unthinkable. It wasn't enough that the tankers had gone into the unpleasant habit of exploding with their cargoes, something that was completely impossible given the confinement measures in use. As if their double hull and the nitrogen gas barrier, which made it impossible for the liquefied gas to react with the oxygen in the air, had suddenly disintegrated. And now this. He remained motionless on his seat for a moment, distraught, jaws clenched. He would have to clear things up. Quickly, he slipped out of the cab, cast a worried glance around. Once he was assured that no one was paying any attention to his actions, he walked over to the tanker remains. The air reeked of melted sacralite and other residues, which he refused to think about. He pulled the collar of his parka over his nose and took a small box out of one of his pockets. He passed the laser tester over a portion of the wreck. The compound, which had once been a leading-edge material, created by nanotechnology to endure the extreme cold of Gamma, was crumbling under the assaults of the wind. Unthinkable. Such structural modifications could not affect this type of polymer. Unless... His brain overheated with the most implausible ideas. The device purred a second, then uttered a significant beep. Hazel glanced at the results. As expected, it was impossible. Increasingly anxious, he watched the Hercules snowplows and the trucks dance their ballet on the ice. Everything started to spin. He took a few steps back, his nausea intensifying, and ran into the claws of his vehicle. He had to grab onto it just long enough to get his bearings. Then he repeated his tests. The measures were just too preposterous. Another purr. Another beep. Device in hand, he raced back up into his machine. Once in the shelter of the cab, he waited hands clenched in the controls, unable to decide what to do. The loudspeakers barked with the confused exclamations of the extractors. The tanks were literally crumbling when touched by the mechanical shovels. Feverish, Hazel read the results yet again. There was absolutely no doubt about it. The isotopes of the polymerized steel that made up the tankers collapsed. In other words... They had been altered by the passing of time. Sycrolite wasn't supposed to undergo that type of deterioration before, what, 
a few thousand years, even more? For now, Haziel wanted only one thing, to run away. Anguish washed over him, more terrifying than ever. He had to talk to Stanislaus right away. But first, he had to finish his job. He summoned up his courage, directed the claws of the Hercules toward the wreck. More rustling. The metal flowed like sand. Entire chunks of the tanker were dissolving as he tried to catch them, and the blast of wind was spreading this infection over the sparkling expanse of the glacier. What a horror. After several unsuccessful attempts, he managed to grab onto something solid. A piece of the machine that had resisted the gangrene. As gently as possible, he took it to the snow removal trucks and got rid of it in a frightening cloud. At the same time, an armada of vehicles appeared along the perimeter. Finally, reinforcements. The crew could start filling in the crater. The road would be open for traffic the next day. For more accidents. There might be an investigation, but that was no certainty, as long as the economy didn't come to a total standstill. A glance at his watch revealed that it was already 11.30. Stanislaw was waiting for him to discuss his future mission. That was fine. He jumped down from the running board and joined the other workers. He needed a good smoke to help him recover from his discovery. The faces of the men who had gathered under the awning of a mechanical shovel were filled with horror. No one was talking. They looked nervous, superstitious. People would be thinking hard this evening in their homes. Once it was loaded, the first truck shifted into gear, not far from their small, distraught group. A piece of metal, poorly stowed, fell heavily to the ground, projecting shards of ice over several meters. Haziel leapt back. Something had just struck his leg. A charred, human head sliced off sharply at the neck observed him from blackened eye sockets. Around him, the blast of wind slowed. Mira followed close on the heels of Alta in the autumn sky. It looked like the start of a beautiful day. Welcome back. So is anyone else waiting for the rest of this book to come out in English, or is that just me? It looks to me like we might be in the early days of a golden age of foreign science fiction getting translated and made accessible to English-speaking audiences. At least I hope so, because there's some really great stuff that we've been getting access to, and the thought of missing out on more of it is really upsetting to me. <laughs> anyway, let me know what caught your ear about this excerpt. Go to the website and leave a comment, either on the piece itself or on the podcast, and let me know. While you're there, make sure to check out the rest of this week's content. In addition to the poetry podcast, which all you fiction listeners should be listening to as well, we have the aforementioned interview, a column, The Golden Age of Science Fiction is 29, by Nancy Jane Moore, and this week's poem, Shadowskin, by Shveta Thakar. One last note before you go. Strange Horizons is a volunteer organization supported by donations from our fans and community. 
If you would like to support us, check out the donate link on our website. That's all for this week. Until next time, stay strange.